ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on Esports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, we are an inching closer to the Rose Bowl. I can smell the roses. Um, but we have so much more to talk about than just the game itself. Penn State had its bowl media day on over or on Friday, and a lot of fun stuff was was talked about. Uh, Dr. Patrick Kraft. Um, we'll get to that in a third segment. It's, you know, he deserves his own segment. But, you know, Franklin and the coordinators previewed uh, previewed Utah and a lot of the – I mean, we don't always get to see the coordinators, right? So it was great to see that. It was refreshing to see, you know, Manny Diaz talk, Mike Yersich talk, Stacey Collins talk. But the one thing that I – that pulled that, – that popped out to me was Manny Diaz saying – the defense deserves to make up for its mistakes. And he's talking about against Michigan specifically, but also against Ohio state. And he's right. They are two. Those are the only two real blemishes on Penn state's schedule. And both of those teams, you know, are where they are for a reason. Yeah. And really it's just the Michigan game and the Ohio state game. Wasn't really a lot that the defense did. I mean, they gave up that one big play to Ibuka, I believe, deep down the field. You know, they had a couple. But, I mean, they held that offense in check for 50 minutes, and then the offense kind of put the defense in some really bad positions, kept them on the field a lot. And, yeah, that's not a good recipe for success. And, yeah, they just got housed by Michigan. But that was Manny Diaz's, what, really second true Big Ten road game, I think, right? They were they went to Purdue to open it up, and that was a that was a nail biter down the stretch. But yeah, Michigan is a much more hostile environment than Purdue is. I mean, Purdue always upsets Ohio State whenever they show up. But yeah, uh, and I my biggest takeaway from Manny Diaz is is his quote that says, "I have a great job in referring to the defensive coordinator position. It taken an amazingly great job to leave a great job." And I think that gives us hope. Um, we want him to stick around for. I I hope it turns into a uh, Dabo Sweetie Brett Venables situation where he sticks around for eight or ten years, and you know they win two national titles, go to a third, and perennial powerhouses, and then he leaves for the Oklahoma job. Like I don't think Manny Diaz is going to leave for Old Dominion or Virginia Tech. I think it's going to be. An opening pops up at a top 10 program. Manny Diaz has built an impressive resume as def- as a defensive coordinator to show that he can recruit the hell out of kids, put together a Georgia-like number one, Alabama-like number one defense, and then goes out and wins a national championship or two. I think like that's the situation I see Manny Diaz leaving after that quote. Yeah, and, and he's right. He's got a great job. He's got a great set of recruits. He's got a great, great set of resources, too. Uh, and we'll get to that later as well. But the biggest, the biggest thing for him is he wants to be a head coach. He deserves to be a head coach. He got a raw deal at at the U. Um, the U has no idea what the U is doing anymore. They are not the U. They're kind of more of like a V. Um, they're just not good. Um, but where you mentioned more like an Tech, L. Well, lots of sorry, L's. sorry. Um, turnover or the L chain. Um, but where you mentioned Virginia Tech and Brent Pry and Old Dominion and Ricky Ronnie. The difference is those for those two, those their head coaching 
jobs, first ones, right? We didn't honestly expect Ricky Ronnie to take the Old Dominion job, but he's done a great job down there. He beat Virginia Tech and Brent Pry. Now, what Brent Pry is doing at Virginia Tech, he is, I honestly think it's the Lord's work because Justin Fuentes destroyed that program um, pretty, pretty big, uh, pretty major. Um, but now they're building that up. But that was their first head coaching job, right? Whereas Manny Diaz is Miami, the U, right? Like he, that's impressive in and of itself. You got a raw deal boosters, you know, think that Miami is still relevant and they haven't been, it just didn't give him enough time. But now he has the opportunity to build his resume at Penn state and take it, take them to the next level, which is a place that Brent pride really never got to, but, but his system and his style fits what James Franklin is trying to do. And it's paid off in huge dividends. I mean, we're seeing it now. We're seeing Abdul Carter. We're seeing, you know, guys like Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, uh, guys like that that are going to go on to play at the next level. And Abdul Carter, who's going to be the next big thing if he can stay healthy at at Penn State uh, at the linebacker spot. So plus what he's done recruiting, like he's in good shape. Um, It's And he has a job, right? And he has job security because they were really damn good this year. So there's that. And and now, you know, Mike Yersich came to Penn State and you're thinking, okay, well, how long is he going to be here? Well, he hasn't really done much to impress us. Now, what I'm excited for is to see Mike Yersich with his quarterback, and that's Drew Aller. And that's, I think, what's going to intrigue me the most about the next year or two uh, and see how that, that relationship works. And also, shout out to Drew Aller, signed an NIL deal where he gets a free Tesla. So good for him. Yeah, him and uh, three others. I forget. I think Caden Wallace, um, maybe Landon Tangwell, and I can't remember the fourth. Um, wish they weren't Tesla EVs. I have a Hyundai myself, and it's fantastic. Uh, but we won't get into that. Um, yeah, and if you're Manny Diaz, like you were head coach at Miami, you're now defensive coordinator at Penn State. Like your next job has to be just to another big time college brand, and there's maybe ten or fifteen of those out there. I mean, I'm not trying to slight any other programs, but like when you just think of big time college football, it's, it's 10 or 12, 15 programs. And like, you got to make your jump to Ohio state to be head coach or Michigan or Alabama, LSU, Georgia, like Florida state, like those are programs you got to go to and Florida state's build momentum. So they don't look like they're going to be unstable anytime soon. And any other programs I listed, they've all, they're all pretty cemented. So he said, he will be wiser in his next move. And I think that just means waiting for the right job and, it's got to be one of those big brands. And then, yeah, uh, we touched on Yersich, and uh, somebody asked him about the wide receiver room, and he said uh, that he likes what they have, um, but it doesn't mean that they're done. They're looking hard in the portal, as we expect. I think there's a lot of good prospects in the portal. And then uh, recruiting class coming up, uh, signing day, or early signing day is earlier this week, I believe, uh, right before Christmas, right? And then – yes. So we'll see, we'll see what they do. And then transfers can sign, I think after the new year, I don't know. There's yeah, so they, many dates. they should be able to enroll for the spring uh, pending any issues, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they wrap this up. Um, and we'll get to that here in the second segment. When we talk about opting in, opting out transfers, every a little bit of a hodgepodge of everything, but yeah, I mean, it's every, and that's something that James Franklin mentioned too, is, you know, the season ends. And if you don't go to the conference championship game, you're going immediately into 
recruiting mode. Recruit, 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 travel, travel, travel. You're flying all over the places. He was helicoptering everywhere. Like it's it's insane. He flies out to see LeVar Arrington get in, enshrined in the College Football Hall of Fame. Well deserved honor. Watching LeVar Arrington play it was a lot of fun growing up. I was about nine or ten when that was happening. So I'm I'm just getting into football and watching him leap and be athletic. You know, that it's funny to mention that because I think he he had the potential, you know, athletically, just like Micah Parsons, like Abdul Carter. But what's weirder, or what's weird to think about is like you think of Micah Parsons and Abdul Carter, and they're smaller, sleeker, slimmer guys, more toned, more like as as far as their stature goes. But he had that big neck roll he had, or the cowboy collar, I should say, and he just looked like a big, intense dude. Um, and they still had the baggy jerseys back then. So like this dude just looked like a monster and and he was, he was an incredible athlete, you know, played for the Washington commanders. I think it's what they're going by, um, you know, right now. And I can't quite, you know, can't quite figure that out, but, but that's neither here nor there. Poor John Dotson had a touchdown on Monday night or Sunday night football. Saquon Barkley did Saquon Barkley things, of course. Um, but, but yeah. And when you, when you kind of look at things as far as that goes, um, the travel is what makes it intense. And you look at James Franklin, he's in, he's at that hall of fame ceremony. Then he's at the airport. He can't get to Florida. He flies to Florida with Dabo Swinney um, and to get to, to recruiting and to get to where he needs to go. So they're logging. They're getting some frequent flyer, flyer, flyer miles. Um, if only I could speak. And then, you know, then you've got to worry about the kids on campus. You've got to keep them there. You've got to work, worry about finals week, keeping your staff intact, because this is the secret or this is the silly season uh, for that as well. So there's just so many different moving pieces. And with that signing day moved up, it, it makes it that much harder. And then you've still got to prepare for a bowl game. I, I can't imagine their schedule right now. I, I don't envy it. Uh, we can talk about the James Franklin quote. He was asked about the transfer portal. And we can get more into this on the opinions of the transfer portal later when we talk about recruiting. But uh, he basically just pooped on the NCAA and said, I think a lot of things that happen and that the NCAA, NCAA comes up with, I think probably in theory makes sense. As always, I don't know if there's enough conversation going on with actual practitioners. I, I think that is a very uh, – that is a very uh, – politically correct way of saying that i absolutely hate the format of the transfer portal uh the window getting moved up to when it got moved up to i get it you got to get these guys in before the spring but geez they asked this is what the sec wanted and the sec got it and i think everybody is hating the format uh i i just can't imagine having to prep for a bowl i mean you have a month to do it but you got to get your current guys a lot of reps you i mean all your young freshmen, like this is a really valuable time as we've talked about time and time again. And at the same time, he's, you know, 20 minutes down the road for me, recruiting kids and flying to Florida, probably taking a couple trips out, you know, Delaware, Maryland, of course, down in Virginia, Florida. I don't know. Has he gone cross country to California? I mean, pretty silly to do that now, but early signing days before the bowl. So like, you got to get your California recruiting in because they're trying to pick up steam out there because the Big Ten market's opening up that up out there. So, yeah, I I don't envy those guys. It sounds like that's probably the worst part of college coaching is having to do all that travel. Yeah, it's and a on free, a time crunch. Yeah, exactly. It's a free for all um, outside of your daily uh, daily loans. But 
our free for all comes in the third segment. For now, we're going to take a quick break and hop into the second segment after this break on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Esports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. We talked about the portal, and the portal, in theory, is a great idea, right? Coaches are allowed to leave. Players should be allowed to leave because, really, they don't commit to coaches. They commit or don't commit to universities. They commit to coaches, which isn't the way that it should work, but it's the way that the game is modeled now. This is big business. This is... Man, this is minor league football, right? I want to sit here and tell you that these are student athletes, and to an extent, they are, and they go to class, and they get good grades, most of them. But let's be real. With the money coming in from NIL, with the way that the NCAA operates, which is a complete shit show more often than not. I apologize for my French, um, or whatever you want to call it, straight-up English. But anyway, um. It's a disaster. It is a free for all, and it, it's an open market. It's it's it, like I said, in theory, the transfer portal was a great thing because I think the players, you know, if something happens, say you're in a situation where you know you don't like your coach or you're promised things that you don't get that don't come to fruition. Well, okay, then then you probably should go to another school, uh, or your coach leaves or retires or whatever. So be it. But I think it should only be once, if not at the very most twice. And you should have to apply for a waiver, which is going to be stupid anyway, because NCAA doesn't give a shit about you unless they're making you and making money off you. Right. Um, but the NCAA, as always, acts, reacts instead of acts. Right. They did this for so many different situations. And you can lump the Paterno stuff in there because I thought they overreacted there. Now you you come in here and you don't have any semblance of regulation with the transfer portal and with the with NIL and you and now it's an uphill battle right because these guys are making millions of dollars right the PIAA we talked about the other week opened up NIL which hello we're still waiting for our NIL deals but you know I I could deal with a truck I if, honestly is there any car dealers listening if I get an NIL deal I want a truck. Uh, my wife will hate it, but I would much <laughs> prefer John. Um, but it's the it's the joke of it, right? You know, you, you, there's just no regulation. It's not capped. Like I always thought before and pre nil, I loved the NCAA football game. Um, I love playing as Mike Vick in Virginia Tech, and it was great. I loved my creative player. Um, I loved everything about it, right? But I always thought that if you want players to make a name off themselves, which I think everybody is entitled to do the brand of Jared Pruger, the brand of Kevin Quigley, we deserve to make money off of that. If we're able to make money off of that, I think that my brand, my value is probably about five cents um, off a gallon of gas at sheets, Joe sheets. If you're listening, uh, we'll gladly take anything. Um, we're not afraid to schmooze here. Um, but, but that's the thing. Like you should be allowed to do that. But my, my theory is if you're, if they want you to make money, or you're, they're allowing you to make money off your name, in addition to your scholarship and all the other perks of being a student athlete at a big time school or even a lower school. Put that money that you make that you would make off those endorsement deals um, from NCAA, and 
football or whatever video game, if it NCAA hockey would actually be kind of badass, EA Sports, if you're listening. Um, but you put that into a savings account that you're allowed to pull from after your collegiate duties, your academic duties are done, or your student athlete days are over. Then you have a nice little savings account. You have a nice little fun to start your career and you start your life after sport. Um, of course, now it isn't like that at all. Yeah, I mean, I love I love how regulated the NCAA tries to say that they are. We see it with like, uh, what was it, the Adidas schools and college basketball and all of that other stuff. And then uh, just from the admission standpoint, Varsity Blues and like Lori Lachlan's daughters on the rowing team and never rowed a boat in her life. Um, yeah, I just, to the fan, like growing up a college football fan, like NIL, the epitome of NIL was playing NCAA football, playing, you know, I was playing as Daryl Clark and Derek Moy and Evan Royster, all those guys. Like, that's the epitome of NIL. I want to be able to buy, when I was in college, I want to be able to buy a Saquon Barkley jersey. Like, you know, how 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 much money do you think the Lawn Boys could have made on a Lawn Boys t-shirt? Or, or the Lawn Boys chain. Yeah, I mean, hell yeah. Like, just put put the chain on a t-shirt and give them all like five bucks a shirt or something like that. Like, I don't care if the shirt's 30 bucks. Give each of them five bucks. Company gets 10, whatever. And we'll sell them. Like, give them the money. But yeah, the NIL, it's become a Wild Wild West. Like, you know, we're thinking like, oh yeah, you know, go down to the BMW dealership, the Mercedes dealership in town, whatever. Sign a couple autographs. We'll give you a car to lease every month or something like that. Kind of like, um, who was it? Was that what CJ Stroud was doing? At Ohio State, he was getting like a new car every month or whatever for something like that. Yeah, something something like that. But like that's what we want. But then like NCAA is like, oh, you can't you can't put nil money in recruiting. And it's like, why did Jordan Addison go to USC? He had like a million and a half on the line. Like, well, yeah, and, and you can say that it's not recruiting by saying, okay, well, if you take this deal, if you're if you're coming to USC, this is what you get. This is part of your package. And every school has a collective now. Penn State has multiple how every school does and that's great i think that's awesome for those schools and i hope that it's evenly distributed even though let's be real we know that football runs the roost in 95 percent of schools at penn state they're fortunate enough to have a good hockey program good basketball programs i think they're on the right track um and then you also got wrestling right now the value of a of a football player like saquon barkley is a little bit higher than a basketball player like lamar stevens um it's higher a little bit than you know let's say bo nickel with wrestling, just to name a few across sports. So it, it's so hard to gauge that value. What, how much do you value them? How much do you, you know, um, how much, especially like the high school kids, how much do you value that? But, you know, that's the, that's the thing here. It's you need that regulation and you needed it immediately because now you're never going to win. Like you can't say this, say I'm a star quarterback, right? And I'm making $3 million a year in NIL deals. Across the board, right? I'm getting sheets. I'm getting, you know, a pizza place like Domino's or Pizza Hut or, or whatever. Um, or locally, Mama Randazzo's or Tom and Joe's, right? So I have $3 million cooped up in all of them, which, again, if you guys are listening and you're from any of those places, we'd like to be fed. Um, I have a dad bod. I'm not sure about, you know, you know <laughs> what that means in the grand scheme of things, but I like to eat. I know food. I know sports. Uh, and I do know beer too. So anyway, Coors Light, Miller Light, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, but 
why why would I, I like but then you then you're taking money out of my pocket right the NCAA well you can only make such and such limit well screw you I'm gonna go do whatever I want now like if I can make three million dollars doing this why am I gonna take a pay cut right I'm gonna go get mine because guess what football doesn't last forever sports don't last forever so it's just one of those situations where get yours enjoy it you know and then hey sit go get your money man and and that's now the ncaa and they don't want to deal with it right they, this is like okay well uh, we don't really care players are making money off themselves great but we want a piece of it now they're going to get like three percent or or whatever or something stupid and that's just hypothetical but that's the way the ncaa is going to operate here but you have to come out and you've got to do it from the beginning same thing with the transfer portal same thing with this and you know penn state's fortunate Right. They've got their NIL collectives and, you know, the transfer portal, they've been big. They've swung. They've swung for the fences and they've landed a couple of home runs. Um, you know, Arnold Abiketti is one that immediately comes to comes to mind um, because he was just he ended up being a stud. And now he's doing a great job for the Falcons. Um, he might even have to play quarterback at some point for them because they're actually terrible. Um, but. You know, it's just one of those deals. And Penn State's done a great job hitting the portal, but they've also done a good job of keeping their guys. And what I think that means is that Franklin and his staff are being honest with them. They're not promising or over-promising this, over-promising that. Um, You know, so that I think is good on the staff, that honesty, that real, uh, because people appreciate that. And recruiting, you don't get that. That's why places like Georgia and Penn State don't have a lot of transfer portal you know, a portal guys because their coaching staffs are honest, but then you go to like Oklahoma or wherever and they have a, a ton um, and maybe they get over promised this, or maybe they just don't like the new coach or, or this, that, or the other thing. And that's, you know, that's where that becomes a slippery slope where they're getting out of there because it's not a great fit. Maybe they do want to get their master somewhere else, or they have a seventh year of, uh, you know, eligibility or like the tight end at Oregon. Uh, yeah, was he on be, nine, nine years, like, good lord he's old enough to be some of their dads at this point so and like like you said i'm just gonna interject uh james franklin even said that it was james franklin or your such i'm pretty sure it's james franklin it was we don't oversell guys on coming to penn state we overdevelop so we undersell we overdevelop and like that's a big thing uh and then another just last couple things on what franklin said about the transfer portal he's like it takes away opportunities from high schoolers. And I, th- I perfectly agree because now you got to keep a cut. Co- you got to keep two or three scholarships in the bag because mm-hmm. you know, you got you. Do I want a high school senior wide receiver? Yeah. But I need a wide receiver one next year. Is that guy coming from high school? Is that guy coming from the roster? Mm, I don't know. Is it coming from a two year stud who just broke out? in F- FBS, like lower level FBS or high level FCS. And it's like, that's my number one guy. He's six two, hundred eighty five pounds. And it's like, he catches everything you throw at him. This is hypothetical. I'm not going to name any names because I don't have any, but like, you got to keep a scholarship for that dude in case that dude pops up and you're like, yep, he's my one. And then you end up having an extra scholarship and like that could have gone to high school or that, you know, maybe ended up at ODU with, um, Ronnie, like not saying anything wrong with ODU, but like, man, he could have gone to Penn State if he had a scholarship offer or he ends up at Virginia Tech. Um, and then 
uh pat Kraft had a good point about the nil stuff i know we're gonna get do a deep dive into him into his press conference after this but like a lot of the nil stuff is social media mm-hmm. uh he was talking about gymnastics on instagram uh remember the kicker i forget what school he went to the kicker a couple of years ago was trying to teach kicking on youtube and the ncaa was like you can't do that he's like it's a youtube channel and i'm teaching kids how to kick because i kick balls good like I'm a stud. I'm hitting 53, 54 yarders. Like I'm gonna teach kids how to kick so they can get scholarship opportunities. The NCAA was like, "You can't develop other kids' dreams. We gotta take all your money." And it's just like, like I don't know. It's NIL has become the slippery slope because the NCAA did it so wrong for so long, and the pressure for it just like came in droves. And then you had 50 different states with 50 different NIL policies, and that's why Quinn Ewers went to Ohio State graduated high school early so he could go to Ohio State for a million dollars and then transfer because Mm -hmm. he knew he wasn't going to stay there because Texas was signing their NIL or Texas was approving NIL the next year and he was like I'm gonna go be the starting quarterback at Texas because that's where I wanted to go initially and I wanted to go get the bag first and then come back to Texas and get the bag again and now Arch Manning comes to town and so who knows what the heck's gonna happen to Texas next year but yeah it's the transfer portal. Oh, the last thing, last thing James Franklin said, uh, he's concerned with the number of players in the portal. And I think this goes back to what you were saying. Like some of these guys, the transfer portal is one and done, but then you get your free grad transfer too. So technically you do get two. And then like, it's just waivers after that, or like you might have to sit out a year, but then the NCAA is given a waiver to 50 other kids. And you're like, what about me? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll waive yours too. So it's just like a lot of these kids are, you know, they're young. We're 18. I didn't, I didn't have the best. I didn't make the best decisions at 18. I didn't make the best decisions in 20 when I was in college. Like I understand wanting to transfer once. Right. But I mean, how many players peaked in the portal? And it's just like, you're, you, it makes, and we've already talked about how busy the recruiting season is and you're making it even busier. Cause you got to re- recruit the 85 scholarship players you got in your locker room. Plus the walk-ons that that's now potentially taking away a scholarship from them. You mentioned the high schoolers being impacted and it, it completely changes that game. Um, but they, I mean, schools use it to their advantage and disadvantage too. Um, now, like I said, Penn state hasn't overly been hurt by it, by players that have entered it. Now they have hit it hard and, and for good reason. Um, and I'm sure they're not done yet. I think, you know, they've got one more or two more depending on what they've got in this class um and and maybe find somebody in the portal and 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 now also the NCAA because God like I just want to know what I actually no I don't want to know what they're thinking because I have no idea and they don't either but they did grant a waiver this year um that after December fifteenth any player that plays in a postseason game that doesn't count towards their freshman or towards a year of um of competition. That's so big. what that means is say you have a guy like, let's say Drew Aller has four games, right? He appeared, you know, he's blown that, right. But he's played in four games. Now he can play in the postseason, and it not counts. So now he still gets to red shirt. Now that's a bad example because Drew Aller's burnt that red shirt quickly. And that was by design too. But you know, that, that I think is a good thing, right? Postseason. Get, get some extra, but the, but the reason that is, is because of transfers, because of opting out. Uh, Penn State, you know, this year doesn't have a lot of opt-outs. They have Joey Porter Jr., and they haven't really, even Saquon Barkley played in the Fiesta Bowl and had an incredible performance uh, when I'm sure everybody in his camp was saying no. But they're committed to Franklin, to the program, 
and to their teammates. And I think that speaks volumes to what Franklin's done for the program and with the program since he got to Happy Valley. Because when he got there, hey, they weren't it, opting out wasn't really a big thing. But now there's so much money involved that, you know, at, at what point does the MVP of the Rose Bowl start getting paid? I'm all for it. You know? Pay him. It's MVP MVP of a game that probably well, I mean, was the advertising revenue on the Rose Bowl game. Give him twenty five thousand yeah. dollars, or give him a hundred thousand dollars. Give him, a, yeah. give him a new truck. I mean, just do something. The amount of money they're making on these kids is disgusting. Wish we wish we could get a slice of that pie, but I was yeah, but never we'll nowhere that. near athletic. That well, now that we're not athletic anymore, um, maybe we get the most valuable podcast, the Rose Bowl. Maybe that's yeah. a thing. Hell uh, yeah, we're we're all about that. But we're gonna get into. Some Beaver Stadium renovations here in the third and final segment when we return from this quick break on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, we got a little heated there talking about NIL and opting in, opting out, and all putting your foot in, putting our foot out, doing the hokey pokey. Um, but let's get into, I think the most intriguing thing is Pat Kraft. Dr. Patrick Kraft is the AD at Penn State. And I was on, I, for those of you that don't know or that aren't familiar with, you know, the media on game days, we're at Penn State. And, and this is really the only place it's like this post game because and every team does allows this but penn state's only post game right or with five minutes left we're allowed onto the field now we have to stay behind the certain lines we're not allowed on the actual sidelines intermingling with the players but first game of the year um down on the sidelines and dr patrick Kraft is there and this is a first penn state game and and all of this and he's out there slapping five and with the coaching staff with the players with everybody that he can get a you know, lay a hand on. Right. And I think that that's awesome because he's bought in, he is fully bought into James Franklin and fully bought in to the program and the athletic department. He was on every flight with Franklin uh, to and from games. They essentially turned into his right-hand man. And that's huge because craft Franklin isn't Kraft's guy. He inherited Franklin. Right. Um, And, and that is huge. Right. So for, for Franklin to come in, earn the respect of Patrick Kraft, get that buy-in, and it all seems like um, they're on the right track and they're on the right page. And that is, I think, going to be very beneficial down the road because, as Dr. Kraft said, they need to renovate Beaver Stadium. Let's be real. Demolishing Beaver Stadium was never going to be an option. That state college would have been on fire, like – there's absolutely no way they could have done that because number one, you can't replicate Beaver Stadium. You can't replicate 107 to 110,000 fans at a football game on a Saturday night. Like you just can't do that. That's not the way things go. And yes, aesthetically Beaver Stadium um, looks like an erector set. Let's call a spade a spade or an erector set, an erector set. It, As an it, engineer, I love the exposed steel beams. It's, I, I get my, I guess my juice too. is flowing. Sorry. Yeah, and and I mean underneath the bowels of the stadium, like in the like on the main concourse, like it is ugly. Um, outside, it's not really bad. They've doctored it up. They made it better with the you know with the suite level 
the press box looks like you just put a double wide, a three story double wide on top <laughs> of some steel bar, <laughs> steel beams. Yeah, right. So like, like I feel like I'm in a a connects, right? And so that is, I mean, that's going to be one of those things that you just can't get away from. So, but to bulldoze that stadium was never going to happen. Let's be real. If they would have, like, you thought putting the names on the jerseys is bad. Demolishing Beaver Stadium would have been an absolute, absolute trailer, like tire fire. But he wants to renovate it. And I think that is awesome. I think I'm very, like, I know the renderings a couple of years ago looked like more of an SEC style facade outside of the stadium. Like and the that's bricks great. and stuff. Yes. Um, but that's, you know, he comes in and analyzes and they're, they're all in on Michael Shrewsbury. And we're, now once football is over, we're going to talk a little bit more about the other sports. Um, so Kevin's going to have to start doing his research on the other sports. I love it. Um, putting him on the spot there. Um, yeah. Um, like you were but, talking. But that's huge. And that's what's needed. Penn State doesn't need anything to the football complex anymore. Now it's Beaver Stadium and making Beaver Stadium what it needs to be. Because, yeah, as great as it is and as awesome as the atmosphere is, it's got to change aesthetically, but also, you know, kind of in the in this in the structure and the skeleton of it, because the visitors' locker room is not ideal, but everything else, you know, you got to make it look better and you got to entice people to come there, you know, for inevitably when they have postseason football and the pipes are frozen. I mean, one one thing Beaver Stadium does have is its own tunnel for the visitor locker room, so it's a step above another stadium in the Big Ten. I um, know what you're talking about, and you mean Michigan. I do mean Michigan, uh, the big house below ground. Uh, yeah, I think I think Pat Craft is on is onto something. Um, I think they just actually finished their twentieth study as we are recording this podcast on uh, Beaver Stadium. Um, like you're saying, I think him and James Franklin have a great relationship. No offense to Sandy Barber, I think she kind of had her. I don't know the politics of Penn State, but I don't get into that kind of thing. I just went to school there and enjoyed football. Um, but I think like. Old administration kind of tied her hands a bit. I don't, I'm not going to question her interest in the job or anything, but Patrick Half seems all in on football, on wrestling, on basketball, on volleyball, on gymnastics, on any other varsity sport, field hockey, soccer, all of them. He is bought in. He's saying, we are going to spend money here. We're going to make these programs great. And part of what makes Penn State football great is Beaver Stadium. It's the hashtag James Franklin uses every week, 107K strong. He's the first AD to ever announce how many season ticket holders we have. 92,000 season ticket holders this year. I don't know if that's up, down, sideways, left, right from where we've been. However, like he said, there's no one building 107,000 seat stadiums. And no. Record record attendance is allegedly 110,889. I think I was there for a 112 game against Pitt. Um, that's neither here nor there, but what do you get? You, you need to have that extra bit of ticket volume for the people who don't want to buy season tickets. If you live six hours away from Beaver stadium, like I do, I can maybe get to one game a year. I'm not going to buy season tickets and sink all that money in the alumni association as great as it is to then buy my season tickets, and then pay for seven games. Like it's just not in the cards. You build an 85,000-seat stadium next door to Beaver Stadium. You're going to take away a asphalt parking lot or the IM fields for a few years to build the new stadium. Like, 
I don't know. I I feel like getting, they just getting kinda... to and from the stadium is not easy as it is. Don't make it any harder. <laughs> yeah. So I think I like where he's at. I it seems like he's there to preserve the capacity of Beaver Stadium. I don't know how. Like you got the four corners. Like we need more lights at Beaver Stadium. There's really only they need four to upgrade the lights. Poles. They like, need to upgrade the LED lights because I think you know they, like every other even at the BJC you know they do the light show right. And the light show is great when you can turn out all of the lights. And at Beaver Stadium. Not a Stadium, fan of that at Field Football Stadium, sorry. No, and, and that's, but they don't turn the lights out because they're the old halogens, right? So they're not able to be turned off, uh, or it's going to take 15, 20 minutes for them to fire right back up. So, I mean, upgrading the lights, I think, is, is a necessity. And that's something that they can, like, like that's a quarter that's of a million dollar, you know, setup. Now, for that, for Beaver Stadium, it might be a little different, but. You know, so be it. But yeah, I mean, you have to you have to spend money to make money, right? And and they're not hurting for money for football. I mean, it's sixty dollars to park on a game day. You know, uh, that's that's quite a bit of money. But you know, I like where Doctor Patrick Kraft is. I like that where the momentum is going for that. So it'll be interesting to see how that how they keep doing it. I really want to see the finished product, um, because as you host college football games after December, right? If more often than not, Penn State should be in the playoffs. Um, so if they host a home football game in December, you know, even in November, I remember a couple of years ago, um, I think it was 2018 Michigan, uh, Michigan State, and the pipes froze in the press box. So we had to ride the elevator down to the concourse to go to the bathroom. Was it the rainy game? Because that was 2017. I think it was my last home game as a student. And it was like 40 degrees and raining as we got out there. And it was just, the it was cold of... enough over break where they didn't, where the pipes froze and we couldn't use the bathroom. And there's the time, you know, last year or the yeah, last year where the elevator broke and I had to walk down the catwalk from the press box to the green concourse. And I am not very fond of heights. So that was a blast. <laughs> um, that was phenomenal. But yeah, I mean, there's there's always places that you can improve, and Beaver Stadium is, um, is no different. But right now, Penn State is trending up, and Franklin mentioned that too. You know, people are are you back? Well, Penn State, I don't think ever left. Um, and I mean, they had two down years. COVID was the big factor for both of those years. It took until halfway through last year for them to have a practice together. People don't, you know, people. I hate the COVID excuses, but. You know, some some teams it hits harder than others, and Franklin did everything by the book, um, from what it seemed, and you know that's that's always tough to deal with, and when that happens, you know it's just one of those deals. So, you know now, just keep keep up the momentum, keep building, because you got a good team coming back next year. Um, you're gonna finish out the recruiting season strong, and and go from there, but. You know, Kevin, I want I know we talked a little bit uh a little bit about Mike Leach um in the last segment or last last week, but I want to talk um about you know obviously his sudden passing uh before we wrap it up here. Mike Leach was one of the coolest people, I think, in the world. Um, because for Mike Leach, coaching football wasn't what defined him. And that is very hard at the college level to find somebody, even professional level, that that you're more than college football. And he did that with a grace and dignity um, that we don't ever see anymore. You don't see that real. 
you don't see that sort of thing. And I think that's what's endearing to him. And you see all of the stories where he just he would answer random phone numbers and have 45 minute conversations with literally everybody. They'd hang up um, and he'd call them back. <laughs> yeah, right. And and that's the stuff that is so cool that you don't see. And yeah, he was out there, man. And he said some crazy stuff like his his idea, like him running through like the wedding stuff is absolutely spot on Kevin. I'm sure, you know, going through one yourself, myself going through one, like that is so real and so true. And I think that's the thing. Everybody is afraid to be real. And this is, and that's in journalism. That's in co- coaching. That's in just re- everyday life. Nobody it's wants the to be the real. Yeah. Every, every, nobody wants to be real and true. And that's, you know, that's something that you just don't get anymore. Yeah. And, we could talk about how much of a character he was. Uh, terrible take that he didn't like candy corn, but he is pro nerds clusters, so I'm in the box for that one. Um, <laughs> but how often do you get true pioneers? Like when you think of spread offense, when you think of the air raid, that's Mike Leach. I remember the Michael Tra- Crabtree Saturday night football game. Graham Harrell. Like, Toe tapping the sideline, scores the game-winning touchdown with, like, I don't know, eight seconds left somewhere. I Clearly, I don't remember this game very well, but I just remember the images of Michael Crabtree fighting down the sideline. Then they reviewed it for, like, 25 minutes. It was a catastrophe. But, like, that's Mike Leach. Like, you just think of Michael Crabtree. You think of Texas Tech, Gardner Minshew, and the mustache, and Washington State. Like, all of that stuff. Uh, Mississippi State. (sighs) It's just sad. It's sad. The news was kind of starting to break when we recorded last week and then kind of like finally came official the next day. And it's just like, man, college football lost a good one. Um, it's sad. I don't normally get bent out of shape about public figures passing away because I don't have much connection with them. But like Mike, Mike Leach could almost be on a Mount Rushmore of college football from like the 2000s and 2020, the 2010s, 2000s. Like, that's how important he was to the game. And I think a lot of the stuff that you're seeing in college now and in the pros and all the spread stuff, like, they can't, like, defense can't play very well if it's spread very thin. Like, you're going to have a lot of holes and he knew how to exploit those. So, my yeah. favorite Mike Leach, though, is the fake play sheet against Texas. Every, every game is scripted for the first 10, 15, 20 plays. He dropped a fake call sheet and had Texas all messed up when he was at OU. And that to me is just the genius and ingenuity of, of Mike Leach. And it sucks that he's gone. I hate that he's gone because that was a bucket list kind of interview. Um, Cause clearly I could, I, like if I would have known, like you wish you would have known that he was so forthcoming. Cause I can't imagine like, yo, Nick Saban, what's up dude. Like that happening, but that's what makes college football cool. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, his legacy because it, it goes far beyond the game of college football. He was a best-selling author. Um, Swing Your Sword is a great book. But, but yeah, it's a shame that the college football world and the world itself lost a great guy like Mike Leach. Agreed. Um, couple last thing regarding the actual Rose Bowl. If you've listened this long and you're still paying attention, we thank you greatly. This has been a long one. Um only really only big news this week leading up to the Rose Bowl. We're still two weeks out is that um, Clark Phillips, the third opted out for Utah. And if you've not paid attention to Utah co- uh, college football this year, um, probably might want to go watch a couple of condensed game highlights and whatnot, but uh, he's opted out of the Rose Bowl. He was a consensus all American across every voting platform that there was. 
uh, Jim Thorpe Award finalist, Chuck Bednark Award finalist. Like, this guy is a dude, and he's opted out. So, um, advantage Penn State for Utah losing their best corner, and Penn State's down their best corner. And then another bomb, another big news is that Olu, Fashnu, Caden Wallace, and Kevon Lee could all be available for the Rose Bowl. Um, gotta think. The, if those guys come back on the offensive line and then you get Kevon Lee joined into the rotation of Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, it's going to be good stuff. So, yeah. Um, and then you've got Nick Tarburton opting into the bowl game. He's declaring for the NFL draft, and he's going to play in the Rose Bowl. So, you know, Penn State's going to be about as fully stocked as they can be, and that's going to bode well against a Utah team that's not necessarily limping in, but but down some significant manpower. Agreed. And yeah, just just to give you guys a heads up, because we're kind of getting into a silly season of you know Christmas being on the weekend and then the Rose Bowl game being on a Monday. Our tentative recording schedule will be twelve twenty six, so that would be live the next day on twelve twenty seven. We plan on recording the pregame on Thursday the 29th, so it's there for your Friday morning, not commute because it's probably a federal holiday for you. If you are in the corporate world, and then we'll have a post game show after the game. So that's all the notes I got. Kevin, Jared, you got anything? No, that's it. We will talk to you guys next time. We wish you the happiest of holidays. Um, whatever holiday you celebrate, whether it's Festivus, whether it's Christmas, whether it's Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is, we wish you the happiest of, of days. Um, and brace yourselves because. College football bowl season is upon us, and it is glorious to behold. For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. We'll see you guys. Again.